When the new year 2020 began, many people and corporations uh, made announcements of their grand plans uh, and vision for the year ahead and for the decade ahead. But within a short span of three months, the world was turned upside down. Travel came to a standstill. Businesses, uh, schools, uh, sporting events, churches, all closed. What was obvious is that it drove home a very important truth that none of us know the future. We don't know what will happen tomorrow, what more, next month or the next year. Needless to say, all of the grand plans were soon consigned to the rubbish heap. As we now surveyed the destruction of the uh, economy and the public health landscape, many of us are filled with anxieties, worries, and even a fear of what the future holds. So how do we navigate going forward? And in today's message, I want to take a lesson from Apostle Paul uh, to examine his footsteps as he overcame the uncertain times of which he was placed into. I have entitled today's message, A Life Worthy of God. And before we look at the message, let me begin with a story. Cory Ten Boon was born into a very godly family. In 1922, she became the first woman to be certified as a watchmaker in what was then a very exclusive male domain. In 1940, when Nazi Germany invaded Netherlands in the beginning of the Second World War, Cory Ten Boon and her family soon joined the Dutch underground resistance uh, movement, where she oversaw a network of houses where they smuggled and hid Jews to help them escape the Holocaust. But a Dutch national betrayed them, and so the whole family was arrested and was sent to the concentration camp. Corrie Ten Boon and her sister was sent to Ravensbrück in northern Germany. On the day of, her, uh, of arrival, she was totally stressed out because of the condition she found herself in. The place was terribly overcrowded and was infested with fleas. But she remembered scripture, which exalted her to uh, rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. So she surrendered uh, her position to God, and he even gave thanks for the fleas that was there. She quickly went about setting up, you know, a shop, so to speak, to uh, share the gospel with all the inmates and to do devotions with them. She also discovered she has a lot of freedom because no guards 
would want to come into her barracks because they were all afraid of the fleas. Uh, because fleas was known to be carriers of bubonic plague and typhus fever. She has often been asked, how is it that she was able to cope? How was she able to continue with what she was doing, knowing full well that she could be sent to the guest chamber any minute? And this was her reply. If you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look to Christ, you will be at rest. Yes, our one constant, our one anchor in times of distress, in times of depression, in times of challenges, is to fix our eyes upon Jesus. And those who put their trust in God will never be put to shame. Now come with me to our scripture for this morning, taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, from verse 1 to 12. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We have previously suffered and been in suffering in Philippi. As you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you have become so dear to us, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as Father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. In this passage of scripture, Apostle Paul exhorts us 
not only to live a life worthy of God, but he demonstrated to us three identifier characteristics that shape such a life. Through his own lifestyle, he showed us three purposes of which must be present in such a life. And they are, firstly, we are called to be a messenger of his gospel, a minister of his grace, and a magnifier of his glory. In verse 2.2, we have these words, but with the help of God, we dare to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. God's mission for us on earth is the mission that God has for Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to continue the work that Jesus started. Jesus not only called us to come to him, but also to go for him, to go share his gospel. Well, Apostle Paul that, well, Apostle Paul has the courage to speak boldly. Many of us are filled with dread and we dodge this assignment. Why so? Paul revealed to us two reasons. Firstly, it's our love of human acceptance and praise. Secondly, it's the love of the comforts and security that money can buy. So how do we overcome this restraint? In verse 4, it says, Our purpose is to please God, not people. God has wired all of us for relationship. And so all of us carries a desire to be loved, to be valued, to be appreciated. We long to be accepted by other people, to belong and to fit in, so to speak. There is nothing wrong with that because affirmation is essential for our health and for uh, our growth. But our pursuit of acceptance by people often spiral into an obsession that dominates our life. We are created not to meet the expectation of others. We are created by God for His purpose. We are created to be who we are so that we can fulfill God's purpose for our life. And so, the Word of God is unmistakable. It says, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. And that's why Apostle Paul was able uh, to declare and proclaim in verse 6, we were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. Note 
that it is God who examines and inspects the motives of our hearts. God is more interested in why we do what we do rather than in when or how we do it. We may do a lot of good, but if our motive is to impress others, to gain recognition, or to avoid disapproval by others, then we miss the point of why God has intended for us to do good. And I'm reminded of what Apostle Paul uh, tells us in the book of Corinthians. And he says uh, that we may brag about our achievements, but the only approval that counts is the approval of God. And so, we need to focus on what others want us, or not on what others want us to be, because if we do that, we can never be what God wants us to be. And if our focus is on the expectations of others, we then hem ourselves in. We then limit our own potential. And we are moved away from the dreams that God has put in our hearts to fulfill. Pleasing God occurs when we look to meet our own needs by our own worldly methods. Pleasing people will cause us to miss God's will for our lives. And so it begs the question, whose approval are we living for? The second reason why we do not share the gospel uh, boldly is because of our love uh, of the comfort and security that money can buy. In verse 6, Apostle Paul says, uh, Apostle Paul says this, You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed, God is our witness. Apostle Paul never speak to flatter, to appeal uh, to the vanities of people or to massage their ego. He never sought uh, to deceive or to manipulate because he was not after their money. He was able to speak without measuring his word because he was not out to seek for a contribution or to make a wealthy friends. Uh, in fact, he worked for a living so that he did not have to rely on others. He intended to speak boldly and freely and that he did. God not only called us to be a messenger of his word, 
he also called us to be a minister of his grace. Apostle Paul not only shared the gospel, he shared his life with them. In verse 8, it says this, Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Apostle Paul demonstrated his love to the people by not only sharing the gospel, he shared his life with them. And he used two metaphors to describe this relationship. And that is that of a nursing mother and an exemplar father. In verse 7, it says, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So the emphasis is on maternal care and affection. Because she loved her children, she wanted the best for her. She cradles her with tenderness and feeds her with the best she can offer. Now, if I were to ask you, what are the words that you would use to describe a nursing mother? What are the adjectives that you would use? Can you now type it uh, in, the, in the chat uh, for all of us? And uh, I think you better be able to type at least 12 words. Yeah? If not, you would have, uh, if not, you have not loved your mother enough. So what are some of the words? It is tender, kind, loving, cherish, nourish, protective, and many more. But a nursing child can become ill through the food that the mother consumes. So we who feed others must therefore be very conscious of what we consume ourselves. We should always be consuming daily the Word of God and not the news and views that are contaminated and toxic that we get from social media. The second metaphor that he uses was that of an exemplar father. In uh, verse 11, it says, For you know how, like a father to his own children. Apostle Paul focuses on the role of the father to shape the conduct and character of his spiritual children. Through his own life, he demonstrated and showed us four areas of our lives that ought to be example to our spiritual children. And it is these four areas, in our work, in our walk, in our words, and in our wants. So likewise, can you type words in the chat of what words would you use or what adjectives would you use to describe us as example in these four areas? And so for work, perhaps we will say sacrificial, purposeful, 
in our walk, uh, we may say blameless, prayerful, or integral. In our words, it may be motivating, encouraging. In our wants, it may be charge, uh, inspire. So these are the words that would describe a father's role as an example. Our ministry to people ought to be characterized by uh, our concern for those that God has entrusted upon us. As God's minister of His grace, we are to be nursing mothers and exemplar fathers to those that God has entrusted into our care. And finally, God has called us to be a magnifier of His glory. But what does it mean to live in God's kingdom and glory? Verse 12 says this, we are to encourage comfort, urging others to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. But what does it mean for us to live in God's kingdom and glory? It is about God's agenda and not our agenda. It is about His will and not about our will. We are to care about the things that God cares about. But this verse will also imply that there are other kingdoms and glories that seeks for our allegiance and our acceptance. These other kingdoms and glories will compete with God for lordship of our lives. So, how do we go about bringing glory to God with the lives we live rather than to bring glory to the other kingdoms? In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus went to the cross, he reported to the Father uh, these words that is found in John chapter 17, verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So what was the work that Jesus completed that brought glory to God? He was obviously not talking about atonement or salvation then because he has not gone on to the cross. So what was the work that Jesus has completed? And for the next 22 chapter, uh, verses, Jesus spoke of the work that he did that brought glory to God. It is the work of preparing all the disciples to live a life according to God's purpose. That is the work that Jesus completed that brought glory to God. And let me summarize all this work for you. He helped them to know and love God. That's worship. He taught them to love each other. That's fellowship. 
He gave them the word to grow in maturity. That's discipleship. He showed them how to serve. That's ministry. He sent them out to tell others. That's mission. Jesus modeled for us a life that is lived for God's purpose and he taught others to do likewise. That was the work that Jesus completed that brought glory to God. Today, God called us to the same purpose. We are to introduce people to Jesus. We are to bring them into fellowship. We are to teach them the word to grow in maturity. We are to show them their place of service for God. And we are to send them out to share the gospel as well. These are the works that we do that will bring glory to God. And so, no matter what our age is, the rest of our lives can still be the best of our lives if we walk in the fullness of God's purposes for each and every one of us. Let me summarize now. No matter what the challenges, no matter how uncertain the times are, God has called us for His purpose. And this is what we need to continue to do no matter the challenges ahead. And that is, we are to be a messenger of His gospel, a minister of His grace, and a magnifier of His glory. Let me now conclude by continuing with the story of Kori Tenbun. By a miracle, by a clerical error, Kori Tenbun was released early from the concentration camp. Two weeks after she was released, all of the inmates in her cell was sent to the guest chamber. She knew and she knew that, that God has worked for her to continue with. And so after the war, she returned to Netherlands where she set up homes for two groups of people. Firstly, the first group is for women that has lost everything. They have lost their family, their homes, and they were not even able to support themselves. So Corrie Tenbun brought them into a home. The second thing that she did uh, was to bring women who have worked with and collaborated uh, with the Nazi army which are now considered traitors and are despised by the people. He brought this group of women into a home as well so that the two groups can then uh, reconcile, forgive each other and move on. Kori Tambun also returned to Germany where she met with all her jailers and forgive them, especially one that was totally nasty to her. 
she wrote many, many books. And one of her books, The Hiding Place, was turned into a movie which recorded uh, the story of her life during the Second World War. And God also used her and sent her to 60 over countries, including Russia and China and Africa, where she shared the message of the gospel. He shared with them hope. He shared with them forgiveness. He shared with them love through the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I can best summarize uh, her life with these words that is from her. It says this, yeah. The measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation. So how about this? In these difficult and challenging times, are we more concerned with the duration of our life or its donation? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this privilege, Lord. And as your word has gone forth, I now pray that you fill all of us with the knowledge of your will in full wisdom and spiritual understanding that all of us will live a life worthy of our Lord Jesus, pleasing you, Father, in every way, bearing fruit in every good deed, always increasing in the knowledge of you, being filled with all power according to your glorious might, that we will have perseverance and endurance for the journey that is ahead, Lord. And no matter what the difficulties or challenges, Lord, we will joyfully give thanks to you because you have already qualified all of us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in your kingdom of light. Thank you, Abba Father, that I can pray all of this in Jesus' name.